Hello, I'm Alec, and this is Scandal 101. Hello, how are you doing? I am kind of nervous because this is episode one of who knows how many there will be. I have been wanting to do a podcast for quite some time now, and this is kind of the brainchild baby, the brainchild baby, there we go, of uh, my brain. Wow, it's going well so far. I have been interested in scandals for quite some time, and I am super excited to share my interest with you. I always try to keep a lookout in the news for any breaking scandals from companies, politicians, celebrities, really anything that you can think of, and that's kind of what this podcast is going to be. It's going to be a podcast where I share information with you about scandals, And I think the important part of that is it's information. Obviously, my opinion will be interjected in there with how I think things should have gone down or could have gone down. But what I'm going to be giving you is the real information because there are a lot of misunderstandings with scandals, including this first one. And the one I chose to start off this podcast with is one that I have heard of for a long time and I knew the general premise of but realized I didn't know the full story and that is the wildly misunderstood McDonald's hot coffee case. In a very general sense what I had known about this case before I really dug into the research was essentially a woman spilled coffee on herself and sued McDonald's and got three million dollars. That is a pretty flashy headline, and if that's all you know about the case, it kind of makes it seem like that woman got away with so much for so little. Like, I've spilled coffee on myself and I have yet to see any money. As most things are in life, it's not as simple as just the surface level. And to really understand this case, you need to be put back into the scene and the environment in which it happened. So we're going to go back to February 27th, 1992, in a McDonald's drive-thru where Stella Liebeck and her grandson went through a McDonald's drive-thru out in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And as I go throughout the case, I will mention some of my sources. I have a script outline and my source is cited in APA format because I am a nerd. And when it's a direct quote and stuff, I'll definitely give the source. Um, but I'm going to try and figure out the best way to get you the show notes. So if you want to look at any of my sources or where the information came from, you are definitely free to do that. But as I said, we are going back to February 27th, 1992. Stella Liebeck and her grandson were going through a McDonald's drive through in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Stella was the passenger in her grandson's car. And that's important to remember because a lot of misinformation of where she actually was when this happened came out after the trial. But she was a passenger in her grandson's car. Her grandson was driving and they had gone through the drive-thru and she had gotten a cup of coffee. She had uh, her grandson pull over because 
She wanted to put cream and sugar in the coffee and didn't want to do that while the car was driving. And honestly, I understand her completely because not only do I want to not risk putting cream and sugar in my coffee while the car is moving, but also black coffee, zero out of 10. That'll probably be <laughs> a negative review on the podcast. Like, oh, he doesn't like black coffee. Um, no, I like sweet things and black coffee is not sweet. <laughs> um, anyway, so he had pulled over in the parking lot so she could put some cream and sugar in the coffee. Her grandson was driving a 1989 Ford Probe. And a couple important things about this car is the model he had did not have any cup holders. And also the s surfaces in the car were pretty slanted. There wasn't like a flat, you know, dashboard or a flat area so that she could set the cup on. So what she ended up doing was putting it kind of in between her legs, like up near her knees as she was sitting down. Another important thing to note about this car was it made an iconic appearance in the show The Office as the uh, butt of a joke when Michael Scott was telling one of his clients at Chili's that the doctor drove a brown probe. Any Office fans, you'll probably understand that reference. That was the famous Baby Back Rib uh, episode. Love that show. But since this car didn't have any flat surfaces or cup holders, she put it in between her legs, as I had said, and she went to go take off the lid. And as she was doing that, the entire cup of coffee spilled into her lap. According to one of my sources, uh, New York Times did a really good documentary, like a short documentary video about this case. And she was wearing a sweatsuit. And so the coffee didn't only soak into her clothing, but it also pooled up on the seat near her groin area. So Stella, this poor 79-year-old woman who is a widow, she spilt this hot coffee on herself. And because it is burning so much, she screams and goes into shock. And her grandson is alarmed and immediately takes her to the hospital. After Stella gets to the hospital and is examined by doctors, it was discovered that she was burned a total of 16% of her body, and about 6% of those burns were third-degree burns. You know when you touch like a stove with your finger and it's hot, and you burn the tip of your finger and you're like, oh my gosh, and it hurts so bad, and it hurts for a couple days? Now imagine that feeling, but on 16% of your body, mainly your inner legs and like your groin area, and 6% of those burns are third degree burns. I, I don't want to imagine that because that sounds so painful. As I was doing research for this case, I kind of forgot what the different degrees of burns are. So I looked up an article from WebMD and according to them, there are four different degrees of burns. I honestly forgot that there was a fourth degree, but here we are. And that's why you do research before you talk about it. So these third degree burns are sometimes called a, quote, full thickness burn, end quote, and it destroys two full layers of skin. And these burns aren't red like we normally think of, but they're rather like black, white, brown, or yellow. They also don't hurt because they damage the nerve endings. Essentially, you're burned so bad that you can't feel anything because the nerve endings are burnt. She was in the hospital for about a week and her medical bills reached around $10,000. She had to 
get a lot of procedures, including skin grafts, because the burns were so bad. Honestly, going to the hospital is one of my biggest fears, not because I'm necessarily afraid of doctors or needles or anything like that. It's because of the excessive cost of healthcare in the United States. And that's a topic that would not fit into a podcast. But um, yeah, that's one of my biggest fears is going to the hospital. Uh, I've seen some articles recently that people are like taking Ubers and taxis when they're in, in labor to go to the hospital because it's so expensive to go into an ambulance. And it makes sense because it's just so crazy expensive. So after this incident, Stella got in contact with a couple attorneys. One of them was named Kenneth Wagner, and apparently they contacted the McDonald's to try and settle this out of court because this was not something that Stella was necessarily looking forward to. At the time, Stella had wanted to settle for $20,000. Her medical bills totaled around $10,000 with about $2,500 in future medical expenses. Um, Her daughter was taking care of her at the time, and her lost income from taking care of her mother totaled between five dollars and $6,000, which totaled right around $18,000 for everything. So again, asking for $20,000, that is a little more than their estimated cost, but it's definitely not a ton more. And in response to their... I guess, demand of $20,000, McDonald's countered with an offer of $800. Because they were unsatisfied, again, this is Stella and her attorneys, because they were unsatisfied with the response that they got from McDonald's, they decided to file in court. One of her other lawyers named Reed Morgan offered to settle the case, again, settle it out of court for $90,000. That was refused by McDonald's and their attorneys, So uh, then Morgan set up an offer for $300,000 to drop the case. That was refused, and then finally a mediator suggested $225,000 to settle the case before trial. But again, all of these offers were refused. That brings us to how that case got to trial. Before I talk about the actual case itself during trial and some of the evidence that came out during that trial, I want to talk a little bit more about Stella's lawyer, specifically Reed Morgan, because even though he's a lawyer, he's kind of a baddie and kind of like a low-key investigator. Um, He had handled a McDonald's hot coffee case in 1986 out of Houston, and that case was settled for $27,500. In this case, his client received third-degree burns, and Even though he was a lawyer, like I said, he had pretty good detective skills. He went around the Houston area and ordered a cup of coffee from 18 different restaurants, such as Wendy's, Dunkin' Donuts, Dairy Queen, etc., and as well as 20 McDonald's in the area, so about 30 to like 40 restaurants total. Out of the top 12 hottest coffee temperatures, McDonald's was nine of them, so Out of the top 12 hottest, McDonald's had 75% of the hottest coffee. One of her other lawyers named Kenneth stated that these were the facts of the case. Quote, We bought a product. It was used as intended. It was unreasonably hot, therefore unreasonably dangerous. End quote. And that was from that New York Times uh, short documentary from 2013. 
In fact, in that same documentary, Stella is on video saying that, quote, I was not in it for the money. I was in it because I want them to bring the temperature down so that other people would not go through the same thing I did, end quote. And obviously, people can say whatever they want, people can lie, but when you watch the video, you can tell that she's pretty scarred from this event, and I, I'm sure there are actual scars, but I'm sure emotionally this was pretty traumatizing as well, and I can't even imagine what that must have been like. At the time, McDonald's had a policy of serving coffee to customers between 180 to 190 degrees Fahrenheit, and that's 82 to 87 degrees Celsius. And that was according to an article um, by Bertka. This was required by all restaurants, um, both corporate and franchised restaurants. Kenneth, Stella's lawyer, pointed out that most at-home coffee makers made coffee between 135 and 150 degrees Fahrenheit. And I did not do that in Celsius, so sorry. But it's colder than the other one. That difference is like 40 degrees between the at-home coffee maker and the McDonald's coffee at the time. And I don't know about you, but you know those days in the summer when you get up in the morning and you go outside and it's like a nice 60 degrees and it like feels really nice and you go back inside and you're just getting ready and, you know, doing whatever. And then you go back outside later in the day and it's 100 degrees and it feels like you're melting. That difference is, I mean, it's obviously a different temperature, but that difference was the difference between at-home coffee and McDonald's hot coffee served in the restaurants. So now we get to the actual trial. Um, during this trial, a burn expert testified that a liquid at that temperature, again, between 180 and 190 degrees, can give third-degree burns within 15 seconds. Probably one of the more shocking things that had come out during this trial was records that were produced in court that between 1982 or 1983, I found both uh, of those starting years in my sources. So between those years and then 1992, nearly 700 people had claimed that they had been burned by the hot coffee at McDonald's. Um, and, and this was McDonald's everywhere, not just the Albuquerque one. And as a reminder, this Stella Liebeck case happened in 1992. So at this point, McDonald's, the company, essentially had 700 chances where they were told that their coffee was too hot and had the chance to do something about it, but they hadn't. Think of it this way. If I'm a little kid and my sibling hits me and then I go tell my mom and she doesn't believe me, okay, that's a one-time thing. Maybe my sibling's a good kid. What if this happened 700 more times over the course of nine years and my mom still didn't believe me and still didn't do anything about it? From an outside perspective, are you going to think that I, as the kid, am lying? Or are you going to think that the mom is not doing her job in handling the situation? Now, that's definitely try not to, I'm not trying to dig at any parenting, but I'm just saying, in that situation, you would probably think maybe the parent in control of the household should do something, and maybe it's not up to the kid to fix the problem. Kenneth, who was Stella's lawyer, argued that, quote, they had a product that was dangerous and burning people. We argued that to the jury that they were callous and indifferent and simply not turning down the temperature, end quote. I think it's interesting that this whole thing could have been solved way ahead of time by just turning down the temperature, but here we are. On the flip side, 
Attorneys for McDonald's said that burns were rare and that burns happened approximately one out of every 24 million cups of coffee served. So there really wasn't any statistical significance of this case or any of the other reported cases. One of McDonald's attorneys was named Tracy Jenks or Tracy McGee. I found both of those last names in my sources, but we'll just go with Tracy. Tracy argued that Stella bore personal responsibility because she was the one who spilled the coffee on herself. Quote, Mrs. Liebeck's age may have caused her injuries to have been worse than they might have been in a younger individual, end quote, since the older skin is thinner and more vulnerable to injury. They also suggested, again, this is McDonald's attorneys, those attorneys suggested that since she did not remove her clothing right away, that probably contributed to the injuries being worse. Now, I agree that probably removing the clothing as soon as the coffee had spilled would have helped reduce the severity of the burns, but in my mind, I'm thinking that this woman is 79 years old, she's in her grandson's car, and she's in a public parking lot. Is there really an expectation that this 79-year-old woman is going to hop out of the car and strip down right next to the McDonald's drive through so she doesn't increase the burns and also it was said that she went into shock because it was so hot so you're also expecting her to do this while she's in shock and screaming I don't know that doesn't seem like a lot of good sense to me so you may be asking yourself why did they keep the coffee so hot if so many people were getting burned and the apparent reason for the coffee being so hot was quote because that's what the customers wanted, end quote. That's from that uh, YouTube New York Times video. It also apparently was an industry standard uh, of McDonald's because, quote, maximum extraction of the flavor and the maximum holding temperature, end quote. Now, I'm all for hot coffee. Well, mm, not really. I don't really like hot coffee. I like more iced coffee, ice drinks, etc. Et but I if I want hot coffee, I definitely want it to be warm. I don't want it to be like a gross room temperature. I want it to be hot. But I don't want it to be so hot that I'm going to burn myself if it spills on me. And also one thing I'm wondering is how did people drink this coffee and not have their tongues fall off or like shrivel up? If it fell on Stella's lap and very quickly gave her severe burns, wouldn't that mess up your tongue really quickly? I don't know. That's one reason why I don't like hot coffee is because it always seems like I burn my tongue on it and I hate it. Wow, this guy doesn't like black coffee or hot coffee. I'm leaving him a one-star review. Anyway, looking back at those 700 incidences of burns, it was reported that men, women, children, and infants had all been burned by this coffee. Little cute babies were like burnt by this coffee and what the heck like fix fix the temperature one of the most surprising things to me was that during the trial witnesses for mcdonald's admitted that quote consumers were unaware of the extent of the risk of serious burns from spilled coffee served at mcdonald's required temperature end quote that was from the center for justice and democracy Witnesses for McDonald's said that customers didn't know how dangerous it was because of how hot their own coffee was. That's not helping your case. And like, if your customers aren't aware of it, 
you should probably warn them, or maybe you should just turn the temperature down. They also testified that its coffee is, quote, not fit for consumption, end quote, when sold because of the high temperature. That's McDonald's testifying that their coffee is not fit for consumption. A direct quote. Turn the temperature down. One last interesting thing that I found about the trial was that Shriners Burn Institute in Cincinnati, Ohio, had published warnings to multiple restaurants in the fast food industry that said that beverages served over 130 degrees were unnecessarily causing burns. And clearly, McDonald's coffee is way over that limit. So with all of this evidence coming to light and Stella's testimony and pretty graphic burn pictures coming into the trial, um, the trial lasted a week and the jury went to deliberate for four hours. And after this was deliberated, the jury came back and awarded Stella $200,000, but then that was reduced to $160,000 because she was found 20% responsible for the accident, which I can kind of understand because, yes, she did spill the coffee on herself, but also maybe it shouldn't have been that hot. Now you're probably wondering, well, how did they get $3 million? Like, that's what I've heard about the case. Well, the jurors awarded $2.7 million in punitive damages, and how they came up with this number was that number, $2.7 million, is the total amount of coffee sales over two days at McDonald's at the time. So that plus the $160,000 almost equaled $3 million. As soon as the story hit the news, it was international. Kenneth, who was Stella's lawyer, He said that after the trial, there were reporters from Japan and France that were wanting to interview him about the case. Now, as this case grew across the world and kept getting reported and the sensation just kept growing, one thing that wasn't growing with the case was the actual reporting of accurate and complete information, which has led to a huge misunderstanding about the case over time. A lot of the stories were little blurbs, and it was basically something along the lines of, woman sues McDonald's for hot coffee incident and wins 2.9 or $3 million, when instead it could give context such as woman sues McDonald's for third-degree burns covering 6% of her body. After attempting to settle out of court multiple times, and after McDonald's refused to acknowledge 700 documented cases of burns from coffee, the plaintiff was awarded $160,000 and the company was fined $2.7 million. Obviously, that second story isn't as flashy or as quick, but it gives a more complete picture as to what actually happened. As I said, a lot of misinformation was spread about the case. There were reports that she was driving and that's why the coffee was spilled, which as we know is not true because we specifically pointed out in the beginning that she was pulled over, and she wasn't even in the driver's seat, she was in the passenger seat. Stella was also portrayed as someone who was money-hungry and basically maybe staged it to win a bunch of money from McDonald's. And this perception of not only Stella, but people who were trying to sue companies at the time really gained the attention of Republican lawmakers as there was a nationwide outcry of anger for excessive lawsuits. And this, I'm stating this, this is not because I support or am against Republicans. Just so everyone knows, this is just the facts of the case. 
This case was a huge talking point to promote the Contract for America, which was essentially tort law reform. And Cornell Law School defines tort as, quote, an act of omission that gives rise to injury or harm to another and amounts to a civil wrong for which court imposes liability, end quote. I'm definitely no legal expert. I am actually going to law school in the fall, which is super exciting, so I'm sure I'll learn a lot about it. Um, But reforming anything that needs to be reformed if it's based on solid and true and accurate information, I'm all for. But if you're making changes to things, especially law, and it is based around misinformation or incomplete information, that, in my opinion, is bad policy and bad just ways to go about life. Why would you want to make a decision if you don't have the most accurate information? Like if you're going to buy a car, you want as much information as possible. You want to know the gas mileage. You want to know, you know, how comfortable it is, all of those things. You want to know all that information because it's a big decision. So why would we want to reform our part of our law system with incomplete information? That's a huge rabbit hole that I'm not going to go down, but it is a part of this case, which is kind of interesting. Also, this case wasn't settled for $3 million. It was settled for under half a million dollars, which also goes unreported a lot. Um, This case also was referenced in a lot of TV shows. It was referenced in a Toby Keith song. Uh, It's titled American Ride. And the quote in the song is, quote, spill a cup of coffee, make a million dollars, and it eventually leads to the chorus, quote, that's us, that's right, gotta love this American ride, end quote. Unfortunately, her family was and still is haunted by the negative and often false perception that many people have of their family. Stella's daughter says, quote, do we have to keep living this over and over and over again, end quote. Unfortunately, Stella passed away in 2001. Um, She was 79 at the time of this case, so she would have been in her late 80s when she passed away. Um, Her daughter said that after this case, Stella just felt like people were coming at her the rest of her life and kind of attacking her personally and as well as her character. And as recently as me doing research for this episode, which is June of 2021. McDonald's has standards of coffee. Um, I found a couple different things in my sources that it was between 170 and 180 degrees or 165 and 180 degrees. But either way, it is a little lower, still hotter than most at-home brewing systems, at least at the time of this case. But the coffee temperature has been lowered by a little bit. And that concludes the wildly misunderstood case of the McDonald's hot coffee incident. I I think it's unfortunate that the situation of the hot coffee was not handled sooner when reports started coming in in the early 80s about people being burned by the coffee. I'm definitely glad that the temperature has been lowered, but I just wish it could have been handled sooner because it could have resulted in a lot less people being burned and being severely hurt. I also wish that the news media would have reported the full story instead of just the flashy bits. I get that that's how news media makes money, news media are private organizations, and their goal is to make money. 
but I just wish that someone's reputation wasn't stained for the rest of her life and her family's life for that matter because of a misunderstood scandal which in my opinion there was some fault because yes she did spill the cup of coffee on herself but there were plenty of times that McDonald's in my opinion could have handled the situation before and prevented it but it doesn't seem like any action was taken but yeah that concludes the McDonald's case. I want to thank you for listening to the first episode of Who Knows How Many. Um, if you want to keep up with the latest of this podcast, I have created some social media and I'm going to try to update it at least once a week with cases and maybe be active on stories or stuff like that to kind of interact. If you want to follow on Instagram, you can follow at Scandal101Podcast. If you want to follow on Twitter, it is Scandal101Pod. If you want to look us up on Facebook, it is Scandal101Podcast, and it is a Facebook page. And if you like this episode, I would really appreciate it if you gave a positive review, subscribed, and recommended to anyone who you know that likes to listen to podcasts. I definitely like making these. Um, I had a lot of fun making this first one. Doing the research, I was kind of nervous that it would feel like a chore, but it honestly just felt like a hobby. So this is something that I would like to continue to do for quite some time. And it would be awesome if, you know, I was able to interact with people who also liked scandals, who were able to recommend scandals, who were able to just nerd out on these things because this is something that I'm pretty passionate about and I just love looking into. So if you want to keep listening, if you want to recommend, you know, leave a positive review if you liked it. And also if you have constructive feedback, like please be nice, but also I want to make this podcast as good as possible. Send me a DM or send me a message on one of the social medias. I am kind of a busy person, so I'll try to look through them as much as possible. But again, I just want to make this as good as possible, and I really appreciate listening, and I hope to see you back next week. I have a couple of ideas in mind uh, for what I want to do next week, but if you have any suggestions, please let me know, and we can maybe get those in episode queue. Again, thank you so much for listening, and this was episode one of Scandal 101.